Welcome to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, we've got something kind of special, don't we, Pat? We've got opera's most famous double bill. Cavalleria Rusticana and Pagliacci. Better known as Cav Pag. Cav Pag. And you just saw these. I did. I was fortunate enough to see it at the San Francisco Opera House. And did it meet or exceed your expectations? Far exceeded my really? expectations. It was a sight for the eyes as well as the ears. Really? I have to say I loved, loved, loved the setting. They, they decided to set it in Buenos Aires. Oh. In the Italian section of Buenos Aires. Sounds very romantic. Um, well, you know, it was actually very sensual and very yes. sexy, the whole thing. Buenos Aires. Yeah. <laughs> you do accents. Well, you know, it's like, I'm like a, uh, a bird that just repeats things. It, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. It was that super saturated color. Yeah. And they had done really interesting um, work. The director had decided to use the exact same uh, setting. Because these are complicated operas for, to present both of them. It's, a, it's a, a common double bill because they're both about 70 to 75 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to put them together time-wise mm-hmm. because it, it's about the length of a Because they're not by opera. the same composer. They are not by the same composer. We'll talk about the composers in a moment. But, but it is more complicated than just putting together an opera of equal time length it is two operas two casts and two different settings and all of that but this director had cleverly figured out a way to use literally the same street scene to set both operas huh it was it was really well done and in fact they actually used some of the same characters like the priest and the policeman and they it was very very cleverly oh, so done. it was the same performer it was actually the same performer playing both characters and well again not the not necessarily the major characters mm-hmm. but some of some them the supporting cast some, and some of the supporting cast and and some of the major or semi-major characters were repeated it was it was very interesting and well anyway i'm not gonna don't give away too much i i imagine this production will get used again and if you have an opportunity to see it, do. It All was, right. It was magnificent. So where shall we begin today, Pat? Well, let's talk a little bit about when this was first produced. Okay. So the first of these, Cavalleria... Oh, I wish I could do it the way you do Cavalleria Rusticana. Yes, thank you. Uh, translates as Rustic Chivalry. It, ah. it was by Pietro Mascagni, mm-hmm. and it was first produced in 1890. Okay, so more modern than some of the operas we've done. And it was, to say it was a success when it was first produced is an understatement. Was it a roaring success? It was a smash success. Nice. And it was an unexpected success. Way to go, Mascani. He actually entered into a competition. We've talked before about uh, Ricordi. Yes. The, the famous publisher mm-hmm. of, well, he was... He was the one that uh, Puccini was like, I'm going to do Il Tritico. And he was like, no, you're not. And then he died. And Puccini was like, here you go. I'm doing it. Well, he's also the one where Verdi says, I'm retired. And he's like, hey, let's get a librettist to write this great Otello libretto. And uh. remember? And he said, and Verdi said, oh, I think I might have to actually just come out of retirement to write. So... 
Ricordi is kind of a so he's he's, he's a baller. He's he's the, like Rick Rubin. He's like the Rick Rubin of the so, opera world. So not Ricordi, but but the only viable sort of viable competitor puts on this competition to see if he can see if he can get somebody great because this is at the point where Verdi is no longer at the top of his game. I mean. I can't remember exactly when Verity dies, but it's round, round about this time. So they're looking for who's gonna who's gonna be next? Who's mm-hmm. gonna be the next the great, rising star? Who's gonna be the rising star? And so he runs this competition, and this is the winner of the competition. And part of winning the competition means you're going to have your opera staged, and the opera is staged. They only fill about half the seats in the opera house, so it's a little disappointing when it premieres, but it's not disappointing. Because guess how many curtain calls they had when this was first put on? 1890. Where did it debut? It debuted in Rome. In Rome. Okay, so the Italians who tend to be, you know, excitable. I'm going to go with seven. 60. Six zero. What? Yeah, it had 60 curtain calls. 60? On one night? On a, on its premiere night. It was. It were was they a, drunk or something? Was the well, audience? I can't speak to that. They were, but it was. It up? was a roaring success. Weird. And it it went all over Italy. It went all over Europe. It was translated into every European language, because that's what you did with operas at that day in those days. Wow. It was. It was a smash success. Hmm. So much so that other people wanted to see if they could replicate that kind of success, and ultimately more or less, two years down the road, that's part of what inspires Leon Cavallo to write I Pagliacci, which is going to be our second opera. Ah, okay. And then the other thing to note about these two operas is they are often discussed as sort of the high point of this style of opera known as verismo. Truth. Yes. This, mm. this slice of life, slice mm-hmm. of truth type of opera so it was kind of like the reality show so this was sort of like the kim Kardashian, the Kardashian, keeping up with the kardashians of opera um yeah, yeah no not yeah, do it's that. okay you can say yeah no okay. <laughs> i mean i don't know enough about that show to say that it's i think it's a little more scripted probably right <laughs> yeah no it's okay you can tell me that i'm totally wrong pat i again i, I don't know enough about that show but it, but it's it's gritty it's um very raw mm. Uh, it's it might it, it probably owes more to the the literary style of people like Emil Zola, where mm-hmm. it it it's not dealing with uh, nobility no. or fancy people or anything highbrow or high minded. No, it's, it's more, just like it's it's got it's people. got more in line with things like Rigoletto or mm-hmm. Carmen in terms yeah. of more everyday, everyday people. people but this is this is more gritty and more raw even than Rigoletto or Carmen more raw than Rigoletto isn't that the one with the guy is the court jester and yeah his yes daughter gets thrown in a bag in the river yes it's grittier than that well I think so wow all right because there's no court buckle there's up no, buckle up yes indeed buckle up and and the other thing that's interesting about these is they take place in a very compact time frame they're not just compact in terms of the length of the opera, mm. very compact time frame. So it's like they'll look at a period of over two weeks or something as opposed to two years. They're more like a a day. Oh, really? Yeah, very compact. Interesting. Yeah. 
And is that part of verismo? Is that part of the thing where it's like just a really intense look at a slice of life? I have not done a study of verismo. Okay, perhaps. I just, I just know that when you look at these operas, verismo is always mentioned. Okay. This so, is opera for everyone, Pat. We are all learning together. <laughs> we are all learning together. And this, I have to say, I really love this opera. I, I didn't know how much I would love this opera. Really? What do you love most about it? What did you love? The intensity. It just... And, and I'll tell you the other thing that's really kind of cool about Cavalleria Rusticana. It has this wonderful counterpoint between the characters and their songs and the chorus so a very small opera short in length but there are a lot of choral pieces in it which you love well I like you know I wouldn't want an entirely choral opera but I like the I like the blending so Mm, that kind of balance of characters and then a strong chorus and and that includes and the, the choral pieces includes the fact that the choral pieces represent the social norms, the pressures of society, society's expectations, and all of that is a very important factor in the plot, in what's going on in these characters' lives. Okay, so speaking of characters, yes. shall we set up our first character introduction? Well, our first character introduction is very interesting because it happens off stage. The first character we hear singing is not on stage. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, should we just do a cold intro then? He's singing off stage, so he will sound distant as we introduce him right now. Okay. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's episode, we are having a double bill, perhaps opera's most famous double bill, Cavalleria Rusticana and Pagliacci. So that was one of our title characters, and he was off stage. So we aren't going to listen to a ton of it because it's off stage. So maybe it doesn't sound great, but yeah, it doesn't sound great. But that was Turidu. Mm-hmm. He is our male lead. Mm-hmm. Is, he is he a tenor? He's our tenor. <laughs> he is singing a serenade to Lola. Lola. Yes, to Lola of the milk white blouse. Ooh, Lola of the milk white blouse. That sounds like a a Vegas f- act. Well, she is accused of being a bit of a seductress. Mm. He also sings, she has fair skin and cherry lips. When you come laughing to the window, happy is he who can first kiss you. Mm. What he doesn't mention is that she is another man's wife. Oh, another one of these, huh? One of these. Okay. For sure. So that might be important information Poor as Turido. we go along. <laughs> You know, I'll reserve judgment at this particular moment. We're not feeling sorry for him yet. Right now, he's just serenading Lola. Okay. So there's going to be actually a little more prelude because this is all just happening off stage. Mm -hmm. And while the rest of the prelude is playing, let me give you just a little more background information on this opera and the Cav Pag pairing. Okay. This one premiered in 1890, and Pagliacci premiered in 1892, 
But fun fact, they were first paired together, these two Verismo operas, in 1893, so shortly thereafter. But it wasn't in Italy where that pairing happened, even though they both premiered in Italy. The pairing first happened at the New York Metropolitan Opera. Huh. In 1893. Well, Americans are innovators. <laughs> Seem to make perfect sense to them. And it's been, it's been paired many, many times. Now, I've read recently, I mean, I don't know that it's, it hasn't been what I've seen when I've looked it up, but I have read recently that it's happening more and more that they're not being put on at the same time because of the complexities of right. That they're doing there's two not operas. a whole lot of overlap. But it's being done together this season at San Francisco. At any rate, I thought that was kind of an interesting mm-hmm. tidbit that it, that they were done first together. 1893. Also, 1893. Also interesting, Mascani was, was really vying to become essentially the next Verdi. Verdi. A lot of people want to be the next Verdi. Mm-hmm. Both, both Mascani and Leon Cavallo, mm-hmm. the composer of our second opera today, wanted to become great opera composers along the stature of Verdi, neither one succeeded. They were beloved for these particular two operas that we're going to hear today. Mm -hmm. But in each man's case, they never achieved the level of success that they achieved with these early operas. These, These operas each came early in their careers, and they wrote a great many operas, both of them did, which followed, but no operas had the staying power that Pagliacci and Cavaliera Rusticana have had. These have had great staying power, and they haven't fallen out of the repertoire really at all. Right. But none of their other operas have stayed the way these have stayed. It's a a It's a fascinating story. But you know who really ultimately took on that level of success that Verdi had had more or less? Uh, Puccini. Puccini, of course. Interesting fact, Puccini was a roommate of Mascagni's at the conservatory in Milan. Oh, really? Yeah, they were roommates, and they lived that famous V-Bohème. V-Bohème. I was just thinking of, um, oh, what are the two guys in La Bohème? The, the characters' names. Starts with an M. Anywho, doesn't matter. But yeah, just like the starving artists right. living this sort of... Right, burning their manuscripts to keep warm right. and things. Yeah, I, although Puccini finished his studies... And Mascagni didn't. Hmm. It depends on what you read, whether he dropped out or was thrown out. And and it was through this competition that he, he was actually, he earned quite a lot of money through this competition from, from his success with this opera. Mm-hmm. And he, he was a great conductor and he was much sought after, but he didn't have the staying power as, as a composer. Yeah. Certainly that Puccini did. And his father was always very disapproving of his life as a musician. He had an uncle who really tried to support him, help and push him, him forward. Yeah, got him into the conservatory in the first place. But it's anyway. always interesting to hear the backstories of these composers, you know, because you just—I don't know—I mean, you're probably very different than than I am in that respect. But I just kind of—you don't ever think about it. Like they're not even people; they're just characters in a thing and they're like the super duper minor characters if you think about like the well it's always interesting to know how the art comes about Mm -hmm. I mean at the end of the day the art lives on and the stories are there if you want to know about them Mm -hmm. but the art lives on or it's it doesn't. So profound, Pat. <laughs> no, not really. It's a legacy. Okay, so, <laughs> so we've we've met Turidu. 
who is the young man, and we've heard about Lola and her milk-white blouse and the milky-white skin and the ruby-red lips and that she's married to another guy, and Torito doesn't seem to care. Let's let's meet our townspeople a little bit. Okay. Let's hear our chorus of women and our chorus of men, and they're they're all just basically singing about uh, spring. And I'll just I'll just go ahead and tell you this is Easter, that the day of Easter when Easter is celebrated in a very observant Catholic village in Italy, presumably. Yes, this is set in not just Italy. It's set in Sicily. A village in Sicily. Ah, so southern and fiery and... 1880, to be precise. All right, thank you, Pat. I mean, different directors, as I mentioned before, they can set it in different places, but... but the original... Yes. Excellent. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone, and on today's episode, we are listening to opera's most famous double bill, Cavalleria Rusticana and Pagliacci. And this is... The townspeople uh, from Cavalleria Rusticana. Right, so that was the uh, townsfolk of a town in Sicily, which is in this, it's an island off the coast of Italy in the south, and they are singing about spring, and they're working the fields and stuff. Did I get that right? That's right. And they're, yeah, it's spring, it's Easter time, and they're enjoying themselves. And we're ready to meet two more characters. Who are the characters? Santuza. Santuza. And Mama Lucia. Ah. And we're going to see Santuza. She's a young village woman uh-huh. coming in. And Mama Lucia owns a cafe. Of course she does. I was just going to say, Mama Lucia, it just makes me want to eat spaghetti. <laughs> well, I don't know about the spaghetti, but she owns a cafe there. And Santuza is going to come in and, and ask, where's Turidu? 
She's going to say, where's, remember Turidu? Sí. We've met him already. Sí, Dove Turidu. <laughs> and, and Turidu, he's the one who was singing off stage. Because he's in love with Lola. He was singing of the, the joys of Lola. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Mama Lucia is going to let us know, well, why are you looking for my son? That's whose mama she is. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Santuzza is a... She's just... She's not related to them. She's a person who lives in the town. She's looking for Turidu. Mm-hmm. Because maybe she's sweet on him. Because maybe she's sweet on him. Okay. And Mama wants to know, well, why are you looking for him? And she's like, well, I just I just need to talk to him. I, would you know where he is? And she says, I don't know. I don't want trouble. And she says, Mama Lucia... I beg you with my tears, do as our Lord did with the Magdalene. Have pity on me. Where is Turidu? So this sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? Oh, dear. And she says, well, he's gone to another town to get wine. And she says, no, that can't be true. They saw him in the village late last night. And Mama Lucia says, wait, no, that can't be. But he didn't come home. Turidu's life is about to get very complicated (laughs) right and we also heard him singing off stage a little bit earlier this morning didn't we we did we did so mama lucia goes to the doorway of her cafe and she's just come in just come in and santuza looks like a little scared and she goes no no i can't come into your house i've been excommunicated what yeah that's serious from the house or from the village or from the church well you know what excommunicated means right? from the church right do you want to explain to our audience what excommunicated is? You're going to have me do this? Sure. Oh, gr- okay. It means um, that you are a part of a church that's very uh, devout and that you've done something grievously wrong. Mm-hmm. And then the priest says, you're not a part of the church anymore. Right. And if you're in a community like a village, which is in entirely Catholic and all belonging to the same church. And you get excommunicated, you are a social pariah. You're a social pariah. I mean, technically it means you can no longer receive the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And the sacraments are required for your entry into heaven. So you're bound and for hell. So that's true. Yeah. And it also means you are no longer permitted, and this is the social pariah to bit. To marry. And you, well, that's a sacrament. In the Catholic oh, Church. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. I was thinking sacraments like communion, wafers, and wine or whatever. Also a sacrament. But marriage is a sacrament. Baptism is a sacrament. All the In the Catholic Church. Copy that. Okay. Not necessarily in the Protestant. Right. Yeah. But this is a Catholic village. <laughs> I'm a Methodist. We just go to church for the coffee and the donuts, you know? <laughs> okay. We're not going to get into right. that. Okay. But she knows that she would bring social scorn, you know, and social trouble to Mama Lucia, which she doesn't want to cause Mama Lucia trouble. So she knows that it would be harmful to Mama Lucia for her to go into the house. So she doesn't want to bring harm to Mama Lucia. She just wants to talk to her. So she doesn't want to hurt Mama Lucia. She says, I can't, I can't do that to you. So I can't go into your house because I've been excommunicated. Wow. So you're thinking, I wonder what she did. That's exactly what you're thinking, right? What did she do, Pat? Well, I know what she did. Well, are you going to tell me? Not right now, I'm not. Okay, fine. But I'm going to let you wonder, think about (laughs) what could a young village woman have done? Well, I have a couple of guesses. Yeah, think about it. And and Mama Lucia's immediate question after she hears from Santuza, I've been excommunicated, Mama Lucia says, and what do you know about my son? 
So there's that tension. And the tension is broken by the bombastic entrance of a new character. Who? Alfio. Okay. Let's let Alfio make his entrance. That was quite an entrance. Yeah, cracking the whip and yeah. everything. Alfio is like, but so what does he do? Well, he's a a carter. A carter. He's got he's got a horse and he's got bridle bells jingle. The whip cracks. Ho ha! He says, "Let freezing winds blow. Let it rain. Let it snow. What should I care?" And the chorus backs him up. What a fine trade that of a carter traveling here and there. And Alfio sings. Listen carefully here. Alfio sings, At home Lola awaits me, my Uh. love and my comfort, who is all faithfulness. So let the horse stamp and the bridle bells jingle. It's Easter and I am here. Oh, what a fine trade, that of a carter, the chorus sings, traveling here and there. Hmm. So now that we've done a couple operas, we have those under our belt. I think when, when Alfio says... My wife is at home and she's so faithful. Mm-hmm. In opera world, that means his wife might be at home and she's definitely not faithful. Well, and we also heard a certain young man singing yeah. serenades. But, you know, he could just be in love with her and not... I mean, you never know. This is opera. Uh-huh. But in this case, I think it's confirmed that she is definitely <laughs> not faithful. You think it's confirmed? I think... I mean, I don't know. If I were a betting person, I would put my bets on... Lola's, she's getting down in Torito town. <laughs> That's what I think. Well, 
So he's pulled up right in front of yep, Mama Lucia's. I got Bill. I got bells. I got stuff. I got it all. It's Easter. Life's good. I'm, I'm, great. I'm pretty cool. So he pulls up in front of Mama Lucia's, mm-hmm. and Mama Lucia greets him. How lucky you are, good Alfio, to always be so merry. And Alfio puffs himself up and says, Mama Lucia, do you have any more of that wonderful old wine? And she says, I don't know. I've sent Toridu, and he's gone to go get it in that other town, mm-hmm. that good wine. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, he hasn't gone. I just saw him quite near my own house, in fact. Hmm. <laughs> well, sounds a little suspicious. And Mama Lucia says, what? And it's Stantuzza metaphorically kicks her in the shins and says, but she actually says, be quiet, Mama, be quiet. And Mama's kind of confused, but she's, you know, she pays she, attention. She's picking up what she's putting down. Yeah. And Alfio doesn't pick up the signals. And he goes, well, well, you guys just go ahead. I think yeah, I'm going to leave. You, you, you people, you need to be going to church. It's Easter. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Well, so I, I kind of like Alfio. So now it's time for an Easter hymn. This is an Easter hymn from Cavalleria Rusticana. Signor non è morto in giù, Signore sound like an Easter hymn to me. Well, what we were listening to was, uh, the words were, let us sing his praise, the Lord is not dead. Let us sing his praise, the Lord has risen. So that's that's very Easter. Yeah. Well, they are in Sicily. Right. And today, ascended into the glory of heaven, resplendent, he has spread his wings. And interesting, the soprano soloist you're hearing is Santuzza. Yeah. The excommunicated one. So they're not in church. They're no, like they're they're standing. They're outside, ah. and everyone is filing into the church. She, of course, is not going in. So when are we going to find out what what she did? Not yet. You're looking at me. You got that look. Yeah, I do. A different. It it it, it it's going to be a directorial decision. Interestingly, I saw this as I I saw it on stage recently. I also watched a, a streaming service. And the directors make different decisions. There's a gesture Santuzza can make, which lets you know. Aha. Uh-huh. Which I can describe I've, I've very shortly. Uh, because it's about to come up in a conversation where the director 
that I recently saw made a choice to let her make this gesture, mm. and I'll describe it. Yes, you can probably make a guess. Okay, so what happens next, Pat? So, so what happens Santuza next? Santuza is saying uh, so she's, she's risen, she's singing. She's, I mean, she's made this reference to have, have pity as our Lord did to Magdalene. To Magdalene. She's, so she's a very faithful woman. She's, and she's devout. She's singing praises to the Lord. She's celebrating Easter as mm-hmm. best she can, even though the church Won't has condemned her, in, her essentially. Right? Uh, she, she's been excommunicated, cut off from communion with the church. And Mama Lucia is still outside with her. She has not yet gone into the church. Pretty much everyone else has. And, and left on stage alone, Mama Lucia and Santuzza. And Mama Lucia asks her, why did you motion me to be quiet? At, remember when she told her, don't say anything right, else to when uh, Afio was there. That's right. And Santuzza will explain to Mama Lucia, well, Mama, you know well that before he left to join up as a soldier, Doridu pledged eternal faith to Lola. So he had been away previously as a soldier. And Turido had pledged to remain faithful to Lola. But when he returned from the army, he found that she had she been had married. married. And with his new love, he sought to quench the fire of his ancient passion. And he loved me. So she just straight up tells her all this outside church. Oh, yeah. This is what he tells Mama. No, what Santuza. I'm excuse me. But this is what Santuza tells Turido's mother. He loved me because he couldn't have Lola. And I loved him. I still love him. And she, Lola, who burned with jealousy, envying my slightest joy, forgetting her own husband, snatched him from me. And so I am dishonored and bereft. And they love each other, and I weep alone. And Mama Lucia is just like, merciful heaven, what horrors do you come to tell me? And by the way, the gesture I mentioned? Yeah. You know, you can imagine. She She, pats her belly. Right. Right. Indicating that. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. And thus the excommunication, because that's what happens if a young woman is pregnant. In 1880 in Sicily. Yes, right? Mm-hmm. It's She's the one who sinned. Yeah. Not going to get political, Pat. Okay. Going to keep my trap shut. And so Santuzza says, I am damned. Oh, mama, pray to God. Entreat him for me. Doridu will be coming once again, and I want to plead with him, because he can solve everything, of course. Yeah, by putting a ring on it. Exactly. And so Mama Lucia says, oh, Holy Mary, help her, Holy Mary. And she goes into church. Oh, so she's kind of... Sympathetic. She, yeah, she takes pity on... I mean, on, she, she can't make... Yeah, it's a grown not her man. decision. She can't, right. she can't change him, but she obviously she does feel pity for this young woman. She's a little ashamed of her son. She doesn't say this out loud ever, but get a sense that it's not a great way for him to act. No. Because she's... Yeah. So she's left alone on the stage. Santuzza. Mm-hmm. And guess who comes strolling in? Turidu. Yeah. What are you doing here, Santuzza? Well, I need to talk to you. And he is, you can imagine. How do you think he treats her, right? Probably not super nice. Not good. I'm looking for my mom. <laughs> and she's like, where have you been? I've been looking for you. Oh, yeah, I, I've been in this town getting wine. She's like, no, that's not true. Everyone's seen you hanging around. It's like, you've been spying on me. <laughs> she's like no no but I but I know that you've been she's like are you trying to get me killed by saying I've been in town she's like but Alfio knows it so he's accusing her right of like stirring up trouble of causing trouble with Alfio 
and and Turidu just is he's furious like leave me be just let me go your futile efforts to get me back they're not going to work your wretchedness it isn't going to work just get away you just make me mad just go away you're you're pitiful and i don't want any of it hmm. yeah he's not very nice he sounds like a great guy yeah no he's he's really not a great guy not a great guy and now guess who shows up lola you're very good at this well, this is not my first opera, Pat. It's not your first opera. Lola swans in, singing a little song about flowers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, oh, Turidu, have you seen my husband? And he's like, uh, yeah, I don't know where he is. She says, well, I guess I'll go look for him. What, what are you two doing? Are you listening to mass outside in the square? And she's just... Kind of rubbing it in. She's Santuzza looks at Lola and she says, Yeah, I was telling Turidu that today is Easter and the Lord sees all things. And Lola looks at Santuzza and says, Aren't you coming inside to Mass? Just the two of them going at each other. (laughs) And Santuzza says, No, not I. Only those may go who know that they have not sinned. So they're just, they're, the two women are kind of, you know, just throwing barbs at each other. So with that, Lola departs. She goes into the church and Santuzza becomes very desperate. And she says, Turidu, listen, listen, stay with me. Please don't abandon me now, please. And Turidu is just fed up and he's, he's getting harder and colder towards her. Hmm. Go, I tell you, go, and don't pester me. It's useless to repent after the offense. So he knows. He knows. <gasps> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yuck. 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 And he's, she's now she's getting really angry and a little threatening. She says, take care. And Torido says, I cannot be bothered with your raging. And he throws her on the ground. What? And she is so enraged. And I've read about this, and I'm, I'm curious to see how it can play out in different places. But sometimes this is sung, and sometimes this, um, the singer singing Santuzza's part is so fired up that she actually shouts it. It's a curse, an evil Easter to you, betrayer. That's the line. Mm. Sung or shouted, it's a curse. She curses Turidu. And guess who comes by? Alfio. Alfio. Santuzza's all like riled up and cursing people. And and who would be the most convenient person to come by while she's all riled up and angry at Turidu? The wife of the... The husband. The husband of the woman who stole her father of her child away from her. And it happens very quickly... And Alfio says, where are they? In the mass? And Santuzza says, mass is almost over. But there is this for you. Lola went off with Turidu. She just, boom, just says it. And he's like, what? I'm sorry, what? What did you say? I said that while you toil in the rain and the wind and earn your bread, Lola betrays you with another man. Santuzza's got some, like, she just says it. She just, she was straight out and says it. He says, in God's name, what are you saying? 
She says, I'm saying the simple truth. Turidu dishonored you and me with your wife stolen from me. And Alfio says, if you're lying, I'll tear out your heart. And she says, I'm not lying. I've told you the truth. And he says, well, then I'm grateful to you. And now it's going to happen. And then she kind of goes, oh, my goodness, what have I done? How base am I that I've told you this? It's too late to have any second thoughts now, though. She's told him. And that's happened. And now there's actually the most famous song of the entire opera. Oh, okay, good. It's actually not a song. It's a piece of music. It's orchestral. The intermezzo. Intermezzo. All right. You're listening to the intermezzo from Cavalleria Rusticana on Opera for Everyone. So that was the intermezzo from Cavalleria Rusticana, an opera by Mascani. And, and that, that was... That intermezzo provided us just a little bit of relief from the tension of that scene we just described mm-hmm. with Santuzza letting Alfio, that very proud man, mm-hmm. know what's been going on between that his wife Lola. and Turiru. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also a moment of, I don't know about relief, but nervousness for the audience, but great celebration and joy on stage 
as the townsfolk pour out of the church. Yeah, the Easter celebration. Yeah, they've all just, Easter services are very uplifting. Yeah. And they're all pouring out and people are like, hey, let's go home. Oh, let's all just have a drink. And uh, Lola and Turidu are among the people pouring out of the, you know, they're with the masses of people. And Lola says, I have to go home. And Turido's like, hey, there's no hurry. There's no hurry. Don't worry about that. And they're like, yeah, let's let's kind of let's grab a drink. Sure. And so I'm going to let you read the name of this next song that we're going to listen to because you're going to like the name of it. Viva il vino spumigianti. Long live sparkling wine. Yeah, let's listen to just a little bit of that. Bubbles. Viva il vino spumigianti. Nevicare scintillante, come il riso dell'amante, vita e fonde il giubilo. Viva il vino spumeggiante, nevicare scintillante, come il riso dell'amante, vita e fonde il giubilo. Viva il vino che sincero.
piacer vostro. Well, so that tone changed pretty dramatically there at the end. Yeah, that was a pretty happy drinking song. Yeah, I was like, boy, this guy, Torido, Torido, sorry, uh, was pretty happy considering what was about to happen because he didn't know, but then it happened. Well, nothing's happened other than Alfio showed up and... Torito says, hey, friend, have a glass of wine. And, and Alfio's like, yeah, I don't really know if I want a glass of wine. Thanks, but I do not accept your wine. It would turn to poison in my breast, he says. Hmm. And Lola's like, um, that sounds like trouble. She's like, oh, I think I gotta go. Well, actually, all the all the women say, Lola, we need to get you out of here. This is trouble. Oh. And they grab Lola and all the women leave. Because huh. they know this is trouble. Interesting. Because if he doesn't take the drink, right. bad stuff is about to happen. Yeah. And Turidu says to Alfio, do you have anything else to say to me? Me? Nothing. Turido says, well then, I'm at your service. And the two men embrace. And in the ritual manner of the Sicilians, Turido bites Alfio's right ear. And Alfio says, Turido, you have bitten hard and well, I see. And we understand each other perfectly. And Turido says, neighbor Alfio, I know that I am in the wrong, and in God's name, I swear to you that I'd let you kill me like a dog. I mean, they know exactly what's going right. on. Both men know. Yeah, I just am having like flashbacks to the to the scene in The Godfather where Al Pacino's character goes back to Sicily. Like, it's very Sicilian. It's very Sicilian. He says, I know I'm in the wrong, and in God's name, I swear to you that I would let you kill me like a dog. Now listen, you're going to love this. Except that if I die... Santuzza is left alone, and she would be abandoned, who gave herself to me, so I know how to plant my knife within your heart, and I must do that. So he's saying, I can't let you kill me, because otherwise there would be no one left to take care of Santuzza, and she cannot be abandoned. He is a coward. He's a piece of work, huh? I wrote a little note in the libretto. Now he cares about her? No, he's just <laughs> using her as a human shield. Well, at least that's what he says. And Alfia says, neighbor, do as you see fit. I'll wait for you down there beyond the garden. So is he asking them to step outside and have a duel? Oh, yeah. They're, right. they're going at it, the two okay. of them. Yeah, he has a moment. And he is going to Turidu is going to have a little chat with his mama before he goes off to meet Alfio. That sounds like an uncomfortable conversation. Yes. So what happens? Toridu says, Mama, that is heady wine today. He says, Mama, listen to me. If I do not return, I want you to become a mother to Santuzza. For I had sworn 
to lead her to the altar. No, he didn't. But that's what he tells his mother. Ugh. He tells tells his mother that. Okay. And his mother reasonably says, my son, why are you talking to me like this? And he says, oh, it's nothing, mama. It's the wine talking. He says, pray for me to the Lord. A kiss, mama. Another kiss. Goodbye. If I do not return, you must be a mother to Santuzza, mother. Kiss me goodbye. And he leaves. Hmm. And again, in this rapid ending, she's like, why are you saying this to me? He goes down the street and someone runs back, a woman, and says, they've killed Turidu. They've killed Turidu. Curtain. And that's the end of the opera. Wow. Let's listen to a little bit of that. Okay. And that's the end. And scene. Okay, well, so th- we're going to listen to the final uh, music here from Cavalleria Rusticana by Mascani. Rustic Chivalry. I was wondering what the heck, there's nothing, sh- well, I guess rustic. It's okay. rustic, with the emphasis on rustic. Rustic, I guess I think of rustic in a more uh, generous sense. <laughs> it's that It's that gritty veritsmo I was talking about in the beginning. Ah, yes. All right, well, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL and this is the very final songs from Cavalleria Rusticana. Suggerito, ma suggerito il vino. 
You're listening to Opera for Everyone, a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable for everyone. It airs Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on 89.1 KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the Opera for Everyone podcast, where you can find a rich trove of past episodes. Stay with us. The second half of today's show is coming right up. Welcome back to the second half of today's episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, we are listening to a very special double bill of Cavalleria Rusticana, which we just finished up at the end of the first half of our episode. And now we are moving into Pagliacci. Pagliacci. Which is about a clown. Sort of. Yes, it is. (laughs) Doesn't Pagliacci mean clown? It does. But it's not about a clown? Well, it's not... I just, I hesitate to say it's about a clown because it's, it's not funny. Is it about a scary clown like it? Uh, Not exactly. Let's, let's just jump right into it. Let's jump in, Pat. Let's jump into it. Set the scene. Tell us what you want to tell us. (laughs) There's a prologue. And the first character pops his head out. That's Tonio. Mm -hmm. We should re-familiarize ourselves. We did it a little bit back on the episode when we did Ariadne of Naxos. We talked a little bit about the Comedie dell'arte players, those classic players of Italian theatrical improvisation. I don't remember, but that's not shocking because I have a memory like a goldfish. So. Well, in the, in the troupe of players who would do improvisations and we're talking about I think like 1600s 1700s 1800s very very popular and you would recognize some of those stock characters like the Harlequin sure okay uh, Il Dottore Pantalone um, what's a pantalone that's like pants the older wealthy man he's he wears a dark cape and red trousers and you've got the perky maid Columbina, mm-hmm. um, and among those is the Pagliaccio, the clown. Uh huh. Okay. So, so these are stock characters, and and we we get different versions of these in, in we're used to in shows. These types that show up in a lot of sure, yeah, in a lot of shows. But in these sort of in these troops of players, they even had regular kinds of costumes that sort of told you who they were and what yeah. kind of character they were going right so as the art form evolved people were just able to plop right into it because they knew what to expect from these people in these certain but even in even in films think like you know there's the ingenue or there's the dashing young you know strong man we talk about like the tenor is always the lead and the soprano is always the love interest and you know i mean it's like archetypes so yeah exactly exactly so so these use these classic Commedia dell'arte characters as these troop of players. So the main characters, mostly the main characters in this small opera, are going to be this troop of players. So there's this going to be the troop of players and the characters they play when they are on stage. Mm-hmm. But then there are the people 
when they're off the characters stage. that they actually are their names and exactly. their livelihoods and right exactly so so the first person who's going to pop out is going to be Tonio and when he is on stage at the end we, the, the the play within the play is at the very end of the opera mm-hmm. he's Tadeo when he he's a clown at, at the very end but Tonio is going to pop his his head out and by the way he is described as not always played in modern day as much because we don't do that as much but he's described as hunchback misshapen disfigured sort of a character mm-hmm. he's going to pop his head out and sing to us and let us know ladies and gentlemen excuse me excuse me may i have your attention i i'm the prologue he says ah which is kind of a humorous thing. Simplification. And he Very wants nice. to let us know what's about to happen. He says, I, I want to let you know that we are reviving the ancient tradition, these ancient masks. He wants us to let us know that they're going to use these old traditions of mm-hmm. these stock characters. And I want to let you know that these are not to reassure you that everything's going to work out as you would expect, that the handsome guy gets the girl, the clown's going to make you laugh. I want to let you know that our author is trying to paint you, uh, and he literally uses this phrase, a slice of life. Ah, the verismo. Exactly. Right. Exactly that idea. His, his only maxim being that, that the artist is a man, and he must write for men. Truth is his inspiration. Verismo. Deep embedded memories stirred one day within his heart. With real tears, he wrote, and marked the time with sighs. And he he says, you will see men love as they do in real life. Here you will see true hatred and its bitter fruit. You will hear shouts of both rage and grief and cynical laughter. Mark well, therefore, our souls rather than the poor player's garb. So he says, you may, Look think beyond. You, you may think you know what's going on because you know what these characters are, but watch. Mm-hmm. This We're is gonna, real. It's a, it's a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. So to speak. And then, and then with a big flourish, on with the show. And on with the show means we're going to see this troop of players and their, their little pantomime or whatever they do. Yeah, their little wagon with all their props and costumes. They're going to oh, wheel I into see. town. Okay. They're going to wheel into town and the townspeople are going to be excited and they're going to sing, oh, here come the players. And everyone's excited because if you live in they're a little village. They're going to have a show. Yeah. So it's it's pretty fun. And I should mention, by the way, because we always like to establish this, this, we mentioned earlier in the first half, this particular opera. 1892. Well done. Premiered in Milan, 1892. And the composer is Leon Cavallo. Well done. And that's all I remember. Good. And, and what, one of the things that's interesting and a little bit unusual here is Leon Cavallo was not only the composer, he also wrote the libretto himself. Oh, well, that's easy. We, that's fewer words or fewer names that we have to figure out how to pronounce properly. <laughs> yeah, not that I always get that right. But yes, he wrote, and, and it's interesting because although there was some dispute at the time about this, because he was actually accused of plagiarism and that person in turn was accused of plagiarism, never mind. He says he got the idea for the story based on a case that his father had had in his own courtroom his father, who was a magistrate in Naples. Oh. Interesting. And he also had ambitions to be a great 
composer composer of opera and he like wanted, Verdi like Verdi and interestingly he also wanted to be a little bit of the Italian Wagner he wanted to create a great big oh, like epic epic stuff yeah like, like a big Star Wars of the 1890s well yeah or like a like a big ring cycle type right. thing although with an Italian set flair Absolutely. And just and another little connection to Puccini, because they all have connections to Puccini. He's, he's the same age as Puccini. And Puccini actually hired him because he was very, he was recognized for his literary talents. I mentioned he wrote his own libretto. libretto. Mm-hmm. Puccini actually hired him to help work on his libretto for Manon Lescaut. Huh. Yeah. But he also got fired from working on that. Some, I don't know the details. It didn't He showed up out. late for work too many times. Yeah. He, he smelled also, like cheese. <laughs> I don't know. He uh, he wrote an opera uh, with the title, same story, based on the same original source material, La Boheme. Ah. We're told it's a good opera. So wait, Le- Leon, Caval- Leon Cavallo wrote La Boheme? He wrote an opera based on the same source material. Ah, as La Boheme. As La Boheme, but it was, and it was a good opera, we're told, but Puccini's La Boheme. Right, crushed it. Was a great opera. right. So we haven't heard much since. Leon Cavallo. Yeah, it was kind of rough for Leon Cavallo. Oh, well. C'est la vie. Pagliacci, however, similar. Endures. Yeah, similar to Massagni and the success of Cavalleria Rusticana. Yes. (laughs) Similar to that success early in their career. Huge, huge, huge success. And not as successful i mean they they did have decent careers in music don't get me wrong yeah but they never reached verdi or puccini like heights right. and staying power yeah he was a little bit of like a one-hit wonder never had another hit i mean certainly from this time period's point of view mm-hmm. but nevertheless this is this is a biggie and it is still remains hugely popular and it's it's very entertaining. Let's enjoy it right now. The players are coming to town, and let's hear a little bit of that excitement. Okay, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone, and on today's show, we are listening to Pagliacci and Cavalleria Rusticana. So this is, everyone is excited in Pagliacci, players are coming to town. Thank you. 
you just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone, and we are in the middle of, or actually quite near the very beginning of, Pagliacci. Yes, that's and right. And we've just heard a song from the chorus, and they're all excited about the players coming to town. And now what happens, Pat? Well, the players have come to town, and the leader of the players that they're all singing hail to, hail Pagliaccio, the king of the clowns. They're so excited he's here, and... The character in real life is Canio. Okay, that's his. That's his actual, like his given name. That's his name, Canio. And Canio is the leader, and he's saying we're going to have a great show. Please come and see it at eleven tonight. You'll see great entertainment. He's trying to sell tickets, basically. He's sure. the, the showman, and they say, "Oh, we'll be there. We'll be there. We we can hardly wait." And now come have a drink with us and they so they invite Canio out and they invite Tonio out and they invite Beppe out Beppe is the one who plays the the role of the harlequin mm-hmm. and Beppe and Canio go and Tonio goes oh I, i'm going to go see to the donkey i'll i'll be along later and one of the villagers laughs and he goes oh you better watch out Canio they would just want to hang out with Neda well, Neda is Kanio's woman, mm-hmm. and Kanio sort of flashes angry and says, You think so? My friends, believe me, don't play such games with me. And you see this clown, and by the way, he's wearing clown white makeup. face makeup during all this, even though he's, he's playing a man, he still has the clown mask on. Right. He says, don't play these games with me. He says, on stage, it's one thing. If, if you say these things to Pagliaccio, he surprises his wife with a lover in her chamber. He delivers a comic lecture, and then he calms down and submits to a thrashing, and the public applauds it, and they think it's hysterically funny. But if I surprise Neda in real life, as sure as I'm speaking to you, the story would have a very different ending. And it's better not to play such games. Mm. Believe me. So we've all been warned, haven't we? That what you see on the stage is yeah. not the same as what happens in real life. Kanyo has perhaps a temper. Perhaps, yes. And the villagers are like, wow, man, sorry, sorry. <laughs> like, Right. <laughs> didn't mean just, to. Just jokes, baby, just jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And Kanye says, oh, I, I'm sorry. I just adore my wife. We've been clued into a little bit about how everyone's thinking right here. So let's hear Netta's reply to these comments. Oh, so Netta was there when, all, when they were all saying all that. Oh, yeah, because they've, they've gathered the whole town together. Oh, I see. Okay. They're trying to okay, talk so she up witnessed the show. them teasing her husband and then his reply like, right. no, I'm... Right. I don't think it's funny. She says, well, they've, you know, they've mostly left. And she says, alone on the stage, what fire in his glance. I lowered my eyes for fear that he read my secret thoughts. Oh, if he ever caught me. Dun, dun, dun. Brute that he is. But enough of that. Those are mere fearful dreams and folly. Oh, beautiful midsummer sun i am bursting with life languid with desire and not yet knowing what it is i long for Hmm. let's hear her sing a bit 
So it sounds like, you know, maybe she might be a little bit concerned. But then there were those harpy sounds there, like the like a dreamy kind of a thing. Well, that's it. She's just transitioned. She's kind of shaken off the concern. Right. And she's singing this happy song about birds and birds in flight. And she's having just a lovely reverie. Uh Uh-huh. She's she's reverie-ing. She... Yes, daydreaming, we might call it. Right. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's a young woman, much younger, we might note. Than, uh, than Kanyo. Kanyo. She's much younger, and she's having just this lovely song as she's enjoying life. Yeah. And towards the end of this song, Tonio comes in. Mm-hmm. And Tonio is enraptured, and he says as much. And Neda does not appreciate Tonio's attentions. Mm. And remember how I described Tonio earlier. He's kind of unattractive. He's kind of an unattractive fellow. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't really want his attentions. And she says, just Tonio, go off to the tavern with the other guys. Just leave. And Tonio says, Neda, I know well that I am a half-twisted wit. And that I inspire only scorn and loathing. But I dream too. I know in my heart the pulsing of desire. When you pass coldly by me in disdain, you do not know what anguish grips me. For I have felt the sorcery, alas, and I am vanquished in your spell. So he's enraptured by her. And she says, you want to tell me that you love me? Just stop. That Leave that stuff for the stage. Well, and also, they're, they're A, they wor- all work together, yeah. right? And yep. she's the boss's wife. Yep. And why is he doing this? Yep, because he can't help it. Uh-huh. And she says, just stop. Don't, don't make trouble. Just please, just stop. And, and he doesn't stop. And she says, just don't. You, you need to go. And she's getting angry now. And she says, you mock me, you wretched woman. <laughs> you know, you'll pay dearly for, for the way you're treating me. Mm. And she's, she's getting quite angry. And she actually ends up picking up one of the prop whips and whips it at him. And now he's really angry, right? And he says, by the holy virgin of the assumption, Nitta, I swear you'll pay for this. So he's furious now. So even though Tonio is a deeply unattractive character he's got a lot of male privilege going on he can't believe that she would uh treat him thusly and he's enraged and she's and she's mad and she's not she's not trying to let him down gently either she's she's actually kind of angry with him she's like snake that you are go now that you've shown what you are tonio the halfwit your soul is like your body filthy and deformed so he he leaves. <laughs> He's thinking. So you're telling me there's a chance? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think so. Not so much. Um, enter, handsome young man. Beppe. Silvio. Silvio. Handsome young man, villager, not one of the players. Aha. Uh-huh. And she says, Silvio, how rash for you to show up at this hour but not looking unhappy to see Silvio. Hmm, something tells me that she has met Silvio before. And Silvio says, huh, 
I knew I was risking nothing, because I saw both Canio and Beppe far off at the tavern. And I came here cautiously through the woods that I know. She said, but you almost ran into Tonio. And he's like, Tonio, the halfwit? She says, no, no, Tonio is a halfwit, but he's to be feared. He loves me, and he almost assaulted me just now. So she's saying there's more people we have to worry about than Canio and Beppe. Tonio we have to be afraid of as well. So there's nobody in the troop that she trusts, really. No, not really. Mm, that sounds fun. Yeah. So there, but the two of them are clearly seem to be an item mm-hmm. with mutual attraction. And Sylvia says, Netta, Netta, answer me. Is it true that you have never loved Canio? If, as you say, you loathe this wandering life and trade, the traveling players, if your great love is me, if that's not a myth, let us flee tonight. Run away with me. What do you think Netta answers him? Any guesses? Hmm. I can't. Don't tempt me. Uh. Don't tempt me. Hmm. So she wants to. She wants to. She says, don't tempt me. And so he persists, pleading, pleading. And she says, no. And she says, well, yes, I love you. I love you. I mean, this is beautiful, right? Let's listen to their little love song, shall we? Yes. So they're in love. 
Yes, they are. I love you, Sylvia. Silvio. And then he says, I love you, Netta. Yes, and someone overhears them. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, that is so not good. Tonio. Tonio, the hunchback. Wench, I've caught you now, he says to himself. Hell hath no fury. Yeah. (laughs) Like a person scorned. Yeah, and uh, so he says this, and Silvio and Netta continue in their planning, and Tonio gets Canio in on the act. Of, of, oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah, because Tonio realizes he can't have her, so he might as well burn her down. Exactly. Yep. So he gets Kanio, and he gets Kanio, and he says, you know, come on over, walk softly, and we'll surprise them. And so we, we're going to get to listen to a little bit of more of the love song between Silvio and Neda, and they're going to plan everything together about leaving together tomorrow. So the whole don't tempt me, don't tempt me, but more like, what's the plan, right? And they're going to plan everything, and they're going to say... Okay, I love you, I love you, all of this. I'll be down there at midnight. Come cautiously and you will find me until midnight and I'll be yours forever. And Kanio's going to hear every bit of it and then they'll see that they've been caught. And she shouts, run! And Silvio runs. And Kanio tries to chase after him. And Nettis will scream, Heaven help him. And Connie is no match for this young man, so that he's able to escape. Oh, right, because Netta is younger, much younger. And Silvio's much and Silvio's younger. And Silvio's much younger, yeah. Yeah, so let's hear a little bit of this beautiful love song. All right, you're listening to Opera for Everyone. And on the second half of today's episode, we're listening to Pagliace by Ruggero Leon Cavallo. <laughs> Senza pietà, quel bacio tu per te me l'hai dato, tra spasmi ardenti di volontà. Se tu scordasti l'ore, io non lo posso.
had one of those moments there during that when I realized how much I love opera. Yes. It's just so beautiful. Franco Corelli, the tenor. There's nothing like a beautiful love duet. It's gorgeous, but it's not going to last for long. It's all going to end in tears. Well, I, I kind of talked ahead of that yeah. particular yeah, song. Right. We know that uh, Ganio was listening. He's going to be in a murderous rage. Yeah, that's right. So he heard that, and he shows himself. Netta screamed, run, and Silvio ran. We didn't hear any of that. And we did not hear that. That's in the next track, but you're just going to have gonna you're gonna have to take my word you, for it. Okay, I believe you, Pat. Yeah, you're going to have to believe me on that one. And he runs, and he does not catch him. And he's going to tell Netta, tell me who he is. And what do you think Netta's going to say? Why should I? Yeah, well, she's not even going to say that. She's just going to say no. <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to tell you who he is, like. That's just not what I'm going to do. And he's furious. He's absolutely furious. But guess what? Time for the show to go on. Oh, great timing. Right. It is. Yeah, the show has to go on. But Kanio tries to pull himself together. He's not doing great. He's, he's in a rage. In fact, he's even pulled out his stiletto knife. And he has threatened yeah. Netta with well, yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean... This yeah, is tell me his name. Tell right. me his name. Mm-hmm. But Tonio has tried to calm down Kanio and said, Master, just pull yourself together. Go on with the show. It's better to dissemble. The lover will be back. Trust me. I'll keep an eye on Netta for you. Do your show. He'll be back. To succeed, you must dissemble. So Beppe comes on. He says, hurry up. We've got to do our show. We've got to do our show. Let's get on with it, guys. So Kanio is getting dressed and getting ready for the show. And here I am introducing the very, very well-known song. I'm sure you're going to know this song. And I'm sure most of our listeners will know it as well from this particular show, Pagliacci.
Well, yes, I did recognize that. I am curious to know what what is he saying in that in that most famous part there, where it's like, and also there's a lot of kind of crying going on. There's a lot of crying going on. Well, it's I've perf- self pity. It's a lot of self pity. Perform the play. I'm racked with grief, but I must force myself to do this. You are not a man, you are pagliaccio. Put on the costume, the powder, the paint. The people pay and want to laugh. And if Harlequin steals your columbine, laugh, pagliaccio, and all will applaud you. Change all your tears and anguish into clowning. And into a grimace, your sobbing and your pain. Laugh, pagliaccio, at your shattered love. Laugh at the sorrow that has rent your heart. Well, that's actually quite poetic. Yes, it is. I wasn't... Uh, I like him more now, actually, strangely. I don't, but... You don't? No. No. Well, but I mean, you can see the logic. He's tortured. I mean, he's a, It's the, he's the sad clown. You know? The anger and the subverted you know, like sadness, the hurt that's beneath the rage and how he's turning that into... I'd like him more if he were nicer to his wife. Yeah, well, true. (laughs) But... It is poetic, though. It is. I I like Leon Cavallo. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, the character is a bit... um, I really, really, really disliked him until you read those words. And then I, I still dislike him. I just dislike him a little less okay well poetry is beautiful stuff and it is nice poetry that's true i have a little compassion for him i guess is what i'm trying to say well i mean that is that is i part do of the goal of this piece of that aria right mm-hmm. i do still think that he's going to kill his wife that's my prediction is that your prediction somebody's going to end up dead all right that's we'll see my guess. we'll see how it works out okay so what happens now pat well i think it's time for the audience to file in, don't you? Oh, right. Showtime. Yeah, showtime. Uh, everybody finds a place to sit down. They're all getting ready. The players are all getting ready. We've got uh, Harlequin. So Columbina, the only female character, that's, of course, Netta. Netta. Uh, Beppe is the Harlequin. Mm-hmm. So Har- Harlequin being the, the young 
romantic interest, the one who is having the affair with. So, so it's actually a pretty direct comparison here, sort of more or less with Harlequin playing the Silvio character. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Right with and Netta playing Netta, and that's and <laughs> that's where Mina. we get Harlequin romance novels. Yeah, from this character. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I never knew that. There you go. Learn the something. bodice rippers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and Kanio playing the the cuckold husband. Right. So, yeah. So Something's going to go very wrong. What makes you say that? I don't know. Oh, I, just... I don't know. Maybe the prologue. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't Tonio. forget. Yeah. So, so the play within the play begins. And we have uh, Netta playing the part of Colombina saying, my husband will not be home until late. And then she says, ah, the hour is near for the agreed upon signal. And we hear off stage the voice of Beppe, who plays the role of Harlequin. Ah, your adoring Harlequin is near, calling your name and sighing. So this is the man she's planning the rendezvous with. Mm -hmm. And then there's also Tonio, Remember Tonio? Yeah, the uh, deformed. The he's playing hunchback. the role of Tadio, and he's saying, "Oh, I should reveal my love for this shrew." So they're all sort of, except for Beppe, who's playing essentially the role of Silvio. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of playing their own roles, right? And he's not. I mean, he's sort of a household servant in this play, but he's not someone she would take seriously but he wants to reveal his love for Colombina and he even comes in and says oh your husband's away I want to let you know how much I adore you and she's very dismissive of him and I mean it's just playing out the way it did exactly the way it earlier in real life and she just says stop bothering me and immediately after stop bothering me she says did you buy the chicken divine lady here it is <laughs> right stop bothering me how about that chicken <laughs> he hands her a chicken great and and then she gives him a kick right right as one does as one does and and he says you're so harsh toward me and harlequin comes in and he says oh i see you guys love each other oh i wish you the best because this is the play, this is not real life. And so we're seeing the contrast here oh. between how people behaved in real life in the earlier part of the opera right. versus as the players. In the play. Yeah. So that's just, we're getting that a little bit set okay, up in so, our minds. So, so Tonio, mm-hmm. who plays Tadio. That's right. Says, I love you. And she says, I find you repulsive. Did you buy a chicken? He's like, yes. Yes. Here it is. Mm -hmm. And then she kicks him. And then Harlequin comes in and says, oh, I see that you guys are in love. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Right. And by the way, this is a delicious dinner. Thanks for buying the chicken. No problem. Hmm. Great. Blessings on you. Donio says, or Tadio says to Harlequin and Colombina. Because oh. we all get over stuff and everything. Oh, wait, easy. so Harlequin comes in and... Has a little supper with his lover. So Tadio says, oh, I see you guys are in love. Yes. Ah, okay. I thought Harlequin was saying, oh, I see you guys are in oh, love. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Okay. Tadio, the one who got kicked. 
Yeah. And, and then he's the like, here's a chicken. I'll make you dinner because I see you guys are in love. Exactly. Okay. I'm exactly. tracking now. All right. Well, so should we listen to a little bit of that? Let's do. And you'll notice the difference in tone that this sounds like very different from the rest of the opera. Because they're doing in the play. They're doing the play. Okay. For the audience. That wasn't just like a, oh, it's funny because they were, I heard Pagliacci a lot in there and it started to sound sort of tense. Well, remember this is, there's an outline to the show, but it's partly planned and partly improvised, Mm -hmm. these shows, but it's still mostly following the plan here. They're saying they're they're planning to meet up, these two lovers, Mm -hmm. Harlequin and Columbina, and Harlequin has given Columbina a drug to give to her husband so he'll fall asleep so they can run away together. Oh. So that's the first mention of his name that you're hearing. Clever. And Tadio comes in and is giving them a very strong, alarmed warning, Tadio being Tonio, saying, Pagliaccio's coming, and he's in a really foul mood. You need to be careful. Pagliaccio's in a very bad mood, and it sounds very alarmed. So this is why the play is beginning to feel very real. More like real life. Yeah. It's a little it's a little nerve-wracking, actually. Life imitating fiction. Or or getting real. Right. Right. So Dadio Tonio is is yelling, look out, Pagliaccio's here, raging like a madman, seeking arms. He knows all. I'll barricade myself. So he's he's terrified. And the last thing we heard there was Neda Colombina yelling, flee, flee. And Beppe, Harlequin, climbs out the window. But they're still trying to carry on with the play. I mean, they still have a full audience sitting in front of them. And Neda says to Harlequin, till tonight and I'll be yours forever. Does that line sound familiar at all? Yes. Because Encanio Pagliaccio is enraged because he says in god's name those very words he remembers that he heard her say those very words to silvio right just 
an hour ago, whatever the timing is, he says, back in character, he says, a man was here with you. And Netta's trying to continue on as Columbina. Oh, what nonsense. You are drunk, Pagliaccio. Drunk, yes. And you are home early. And so she's trying to carry on with the play. And Canio is becoming ever more enraged at her, mm. at the whole situation. And Canio finally is just, the devil take you. This is enough. I have the right to act like every other man. And Netta is just beside herself. He's, I want your lover's name. Name the villain to whom you gave yourself, you base harlot. And Netta is still trying to stay in character. Pagliaccio, Pagliaccio. And Canio will sing this song. No, I am not Pagliaccio. Although my face is white, that is for shame and for the lust for vengeance. The man reclaims his right. The heart that bleeds wants blood to wash away the shame, damned woman. No, I am not Pagliaccio. I am he. I am that fool who found you, a starving orphan on the street, and took you in and offered you a name and the fever and the folly of his love. And the women in the audience say, Oh, friend, it makes me weep so true the play appears. So it's he, terrifying. It's terrifying. It just sends shivers up my yeah, spine. Yeah, he's like, yeah. He's, it's just all cracking for him. Yep. And the audience is just... Enraptured. They're thinking this is the best acting they've ever seen. Right. Right? Oh, my word. It, it's unbelievable. And he will go on and on. And he says, you do not deserve my grief. Woman without shame. In my disgust, I will crush you beneath my feet he tells her wow and netta she just turns on him he says well then if you so judge me unworthy of you drive me out right now just drive me out he's like oh yeah you'd like that wouldn't you so you could just go run to your lover it's like i'm not going to give you that satisfaction and it just gets worse and worse shall we listen yeah all right so this is Pagliaccio becoming completely unhinged (laughs) in the opera Pagliacci by Leon Cavallo. Oh! 
Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that, that about gets it. I um, mean, it's ter- it's terrifying. Is, um, is it just me or are you like really afraid of him? With good reason. Yeah. With good reason. No, it's it's intense. He's terrifying. And you should be terrified. The only people who aren't terrified are the audience because they think it's all an act. They think it's all a very well acted show. Right. But it's not a show. And there's even a point there when Netta tries to get it back on course. She tries to go. She says, oh, I never thought that you could be so terrible, Pagliaccio. There's nothing tragic going on here. Taddeo, come and tell him. The man sitting here with me a while ago was just our own sweet and harmless harlequin. Ha, ha, ha. You know. Right. She tries to She tries to be light and jolly like that. Which happy. probably just adds fuel to the fire. Oh, he's just, he's just. Beyond. Foaming at the mouth, essentially. Right. He's like, you defy me still. Don't you understand? Tell me his name or it will be your life. And she says, I am not a coward, by God. I am not a coward. Tell me his tell me his name. And he pulls out his knife. Mm-hmm. And she says, no, I will not tell you. And Silvio sees that it's gotten real when he sees the knife. Mm-hmm. And Silvio jumps up. And Canio grabs Netta and he stabs her right on stage. And the audience is like, oh. But they still think it's part of the right. act, most of them. But all the other actors know it's real. Right. And they can't believe it. And he's, you know, still shouting at her while she's been stabbed with the knife. Tell me his name. And she's not meaning to say his name, but in her like she, death she throes, calls for him. she calls out to Silvio. Mm-hmm. And Silvio's pulled out a knife at this point to go after Canio. And Canio turns and sees the man coming toward him. With the knife. And he goes after Silvio and he stabs Silvio as well. And there we go. Those are our two deaths. The end. At the end of the opera. Ugh. And it's interesting. The At this point, the crowd catches on. That it's real. That it's real. And the last line of the opera is, the comedy is ended. Interesting. Little point here. That line was originally given to Tonio, who gave because our prologue. He was the prologue. Mm-hmm. But over time, it has been taken over by Canio. Different explanations have been given, but one is after the sort of show stopping, stealing arias that he has sung towards the second half of the show. Right. He just needs to take the line. I've heard arguments that it doesn't make sense because he's lost his mind by this point. And it is a witty little end to the opera to say the comedy is over at this point. But there we have it. That's it. The comedy is over. I wish we had more time because there is so much to say about this opera. It's a powerful 75 minutes. Yeah. It's one of the best stories I think I've ever heard as far as opera goes. It packs in a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, so should we listen to that very last song? A a little bit. A little bit. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And you've just listened to Pagliacci. 
by Ruggero Leon Cavallo. Leon Cavallo. Thanks for listening to another episode of Opera for Everyone. If you've enjoyed our show and would like to hear more, please subscribe to the Opera for Everyone podcast. Opera can be challenging, but everyone loves a good story. And a story set to music is even better. Our mission is to make opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable, because we believe opera is for everyone.